we are in a uh, sermon series on the kingdom of God, which was the big thing that Jesus liked to talk about. And uh, first week we talked about what the kingdom is, how to define it. And then we talked about how to get it going in the world around you, how to find hot spots, remember? And then last week we talked about how to get it moving in you and um, the best way to grow in the kingdom of God, the best way to grow in your own supernatural spiritual strength is to give it away to other people, right? It's like life is ministry. So you only grow in it if you give it. If you don't give it, then you could study the Bible 25 hours a day and you wouldn't really grow. That's the Jesus teaching I'm course wildly paraphrasing so that brings you up to speed everybody everybody there so far Um, because there will be a quiz later Um, but let's do a warm-up question first thank you sir yeah you get extra credit you get um, uh, heavenly rewards nothing from me but Jesus All right, warm-up question, because I think you need to get warmed up. Everybody roll your shoulders, crack your nut, and grind your teeth. Um, most of you came in really late, so I know you're dragging. It was a late night last night, um, so, uh, so we got to get warmed up. Here's your warm-up question. It should be really, really simple for spiritual giants such as yourself. What does it mean to be supernatural? What does it mean to be Supernatural. Give you eight seconds to figure it out. All right, tell me, what does it mean to be supernatural? Somebody let me know. Naturally super. Naturally super. <laughs> Doesn't really tell us much, but I like your attitude. You will, you will go far. You're in the right place. It's theologically correct and a little snarky. Perfect. Uh, what else? What does it mean to be? What, what's the? Ghosts and spirits. Provocative. I like it. And to answer your question, nobody raises their hand at Blue Water. Uh, but to do stuff that doesn't naturally happen. I like that. That's really practical. It's straight ahead. Yeah, do stuff that, that doesn't naturally happen or wouldn't naturally happen. Great. To do natural things that don't normally happen. Okay, so that's really clever. So you could do something that maybe is not inherently, that doesn't inherently violate the laws of nature as we understand them, but do it out of context in an unusual, abnormal way. And that would be, well, unnatural in a sense. And so that counts. That's great. You guys, you guys are brilliant. You notice how people in the front are brilliant. Let, let, let's hear from the grandstands. One more. What does it mean to be supernatural? To be able to see what? To be able to see the unseen world. Oh, yeah. To be able to see the unseen world. You have to think about that one. You know what my first thought is? COVID. You can't see viruses, but dang. But I don't think that's what you're talking about. 
to be able to, uh, to see the, uh, the invisible, more eternal world uh, beyond the dimensions in which we typically live. Okay, that's great. Um, apparently, uh, you guys understand really well uh, what it means to be supernatural. Uh, we talked last week about, you know, when you minister to someone, when you serve someone, well, any, any kind, generous, helpful thing that you do is, is, is good, but um, to minister the kingdom, you have to do something that's a bit supernatural, right? And then I said, in a future sermon, we'll unpack that word a little bit more. So that's what we're doing today, uh, unpacking what it means for you to do supernatural things uh, in the world. Um, and evidently, you understand the concept really well. So supplemental warm-up question, what's something supernatural that you've done in the last week or two? I'll give you eight seconds to remember. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare contended against invisible forces in the heavenly realm. Pray. Is that what you were going to say, Sally? Because you always say pray. Push through taking offense, and as a result, you were blessed by somebody that you otherwise would have been offended by, right? So that's supernatural in that it's not, it's not a normal thing to do, right? You were better than human in that moment, which is, which is what we've come to expect from Sally. Uh, that's good? Some other examples? Yeah, Dave. You had a sozo, which is... So I'm going to ask you to define it, because you actually... You actually minister it, so go. So, so you listen to the Lord, you listen to an invisible God tell you ways to get unstuck and be blessed and be a blessing in life. And then presumably you followed through on what he told you. That head shake is not as convincing as the first one. <laughs> but I'm sure that, that you are following through. All right. Well, I, I just think that's just a great inventory question. It's like, you know, what supernatural things am I doing? Because if the kingdom of heaven on earth is a supernatural kingdom, a, a supernatural order, it's the order of heaven coming into the chaos of the earth. Uh, and if, it is, if the frontiers of the kingdom are pushed forward supernaturally, then we need to be doing supernatural things. Whatever we however we understand them. And I, and I like the understanding that is emerging from the crowd. Supernatural things are things that require non-normal power, right? things that perhaps would not be possible uh, according to the natural laws as we understand them, a divine healing or hearing from an invisible God or something like that, things that we might consider miraculous, generally speaking, uh, obviously supernatural, but then there's also the sort of supernatural that's just abnormal. You know, I did, I, I, uh, I responded patiently and kindly to a person who was a jerk. That's my paraphrase. You didn't say it that way, but, but that's how it feels, right? Or, um, you know, I was forgiving instead of judgmental. I gave away all of my money instead of uh, hoarding for my future. You know, that would be very unnatural. Uh, randomly related question, do you think Jesus was nice? How many say nah? 
How many say, oh, yeah. You are just a bunch of cowards. You're just afraid to raise your hand. At times he was nice. At, at other times he was, he was plain old snarky. Uh, it's hard to think of a time in Scripture. It's hard to think of a, of a gospel story in which you'd say, oh, yeah, Jesus is being very polite there. You know what Jesus was? He was disruptive, wasn't he? I mean, we understand him to be kind and generous in a fundamental sense, but he was offending people left and right. Uh, he scared people. As uh, it's one story like from Mark 9, his own disciples were afraid to ask him questions because they were scared of him. That's literally what, he said, what it says. They were scared of him because he was always saying things that were so challenging that they were freaked out, you know? Uh, and, uh, and later in like Matthew, is it Matthew 22, the Pharisees uh, stopped asking him questions uh, because he kept embarrassing them in front of people. And, and they were scared of him as well. It's hard to think of a time in which Jesus was easy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? It's like people who hung out with him or even people who received miracles from him often found him challenging rather than comfortable. He was amazing, you know, but hardly ever comfortable. He was, he was disruptive. And I've been thinking about that word disruptive in connection with the word supernatural this week as I kind of meditated on, on uh, the sermon. Who are you when you're in your natural state? Who are you when you're in your supernatural state? And whoever you are in your supernatural state, you're going to be a disruptor um, in some fashion. You know, that's sort of a mark of health if you do. Well, that's kind of what I want to talk about uh, uh, this, this morning. Um, when I uh, was really plugged into my first discipleship faith community, which, which is when I was in college, that was the first real opportunity I had to be part of a Christian fellowship. Although I had been a believer for some time, um, it was what you do is you'd get together with uh, people in the fellowship who are a little older and upperclassmen. And uh, the most popular question in the fellowship I learned was when somebody would ask you, so what's God saying to you recently? And uh, the first time I heard it, I didn't really have an answer. And then the second time I heard it, I felt like I should have an answer. And then what I did is I, they're having a great time in KK Church. Uh, they're disrupting something. Um, probably my office. Um, you know, by, by the third time, I, I was thinking ahead. It's like, well, what has God been saying to me recently? And it, it I, I've loved that question ever since. I've used it on pretty much all of you with whom I've had a conversation. <laughs> um, and, 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 well, really built a life around that question, what's God saying to you recently? It's the most supernaturalizing question I know. What's God been saying to you recently? And if you don't have an answer, well, that's a problem, right? Because if you don't know what God's saying, you can't follow through on it. And I think in some ways, the key to being a supernatural person is to be spirit-led, right? Is to hear the voice of God. And then the second key, of course, would be to be spirit-empowered and to do uh, supernatural and, and miraculous things. Um, it's questions like that are, are based on any number of verses in scripture. I was thinking of John 16 uh, this week when Jesus is introducing the idea, the person of the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Uh, he says to them, 
but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit is an initially introduced to the disciples as a guide. And he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. You know, that's the initial description of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you want to walk, I, I, I learned early on when I was still in my late teens that to follow Jesus meant walking with the Spirit. And walking with the Spirit initially means listening to the Spirit and hearing from Him, having a conversation with God, a two-way conversation. Uh, and then receiving things from Jesus uh, that way. Um, so I've always tried to take that seriously uh, since then. I was thinking of a couple uh, stories in my own personal canon that have to do with listening from God. One that jumped out uh, in my mind was when uh, I was a little bit old. I was about 30 years old. I was living in Boston at the time. I was doing a, a fellowship there, uh, an academic fellowship. And, uh, and I had joined this uh, church, which um, I was helping to supernaturalize, you know, kind of bring in this idea that, you know, following Jesus means walking in real time with the Holy Spirit. And I was in a small group, like many of us are, in a Ohana group. They didn't call it that in Boston. but um, And uh, somebody, uh, well, a, a, a young, desperate single mother had kind of joined the group. And she was obviously in need. And so somebody came to me uh, after one meeting and said, well, you know, we should really take a collection and give this lady some money. Um, she's having a rent crisis this month. And that would be, you know, what you do. You take care of orphans and widows and stuff like that. And I had a check in my spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit in real time said, but this is an opportunity. So I said, well, John, I'll tell you what, let's pray about it as a group. And then the Holy Spirit will tell us what to do and how much to give and stuff like that. So we got together as a group and we prayed uh, one evening. I fully expected God to say, give her money and give her this much. And God said, don't give her any money. And then I had to tell the group that. You know, and then somebody else in the group said, yeah, you know, I had a check in my, in my spirit as well. Uh, and so I didn't give any money <laughs> to the single mom uh, with kids struggling uh, to pay her rent as led by the spirit, which was like a violation of, of values and principles in my mind. I would have never done that. I would have never not done that, <laughs> right, if I hadn't felt led by, uh, by the spirit. It turned out that she she figured out her financial crisis and, and paid rent, and that kind of became a faith-building thing in her life. Uh, so it was a good story. But I remember being so shocked at the outcome of listening to God, you know, and that event always stuck with me. Um, I was trying to supernaturalize in other ways. Eventually, Sony and I started our own group, and, you know, and it became known for, like, praying for the sick and, and stuff like that. An opportunity came up one fall for me to um, jump on a sailboat and go on a cruise across the Atlantic. The first leg was like from Boston to Bermuda in the fall. It was likely to be very stormy. My landlord had this really cool sailboat. He was like, why don't you come and crew for me? And then like two weeks before, I got uh, uh, carpal tunnel, which I was prone to get because I spent all my time on the computer. It was so bad. You know what carpal tunnel syndrome is? like tendinitis in your arm, only really, really acute, very hard to get rid of. And it was so bad I couldn't hold a mug. I couldn't drink, you know, in my right arm. And, 
and so it was kind of dangerous for me to be out in stormy seas with like one arm and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, crud, I'm gonna miss it. And I love to sail, um, needed the break. And then one night, this kid uh, in my group who was just learning to follow the Holy Spirit, his name was Josh, he showed up at my door. It was Halloween night, I remember. And he's like, the Spirit told me to come over tonight and heal you. You've never done anything like this before. This is this young, not only like 23-year-old guy. And so I said, yeah, you know, come on in and pray for me. And so he laid his hand on me and started praying for me. And it's like my arms started twitching involuntarily. And I thought... I told him, it feels like an angel is doing chiropractic on me. You could like hear cracks and stuff like that. And you know, completely involuntary. And uh, at the end of it, um, I, would, I was like, you know, it feels better. I started doing push-ups. I was in shape then. I did some one-arm push-ups, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I mean, you, you did it. And, uh, and Josh started traveling with me and going to healing conferences, because it turned out he was a very gifted healer. So I would talk about healing, and then I would say, and now Josh is going to heal you. And, and he started ministering to crowds and stuff like that because he listened to the voice of God, right? And just decided to try it. You know, I was a safe guinea pig, but I was, I was really excited about it. We have five discipleship questions at Blue Water Mission that we use. Right? And I was going to put them up on the board. I thought, no, I'll give you guys a quiz instead. Because everybody who's been around should know them by now. So the first one is, what's God been saying to you recently? Or if you're talking to an unbeliever, like, what's a meaningful thing in your life right now? You can get this conversation started that way. Number two. What are you doing about it? Because discipleship means follow through. It's a phrase that we have. Number three. What's getting in your way? You look so confused. You've heard these eight. You don't know if number three or four? All right. I don't know. Um, yeah, what, what's getting in the way? What's hard about that? Right? And so now you're in a personal conversation. Uh, number four. Who are you bringing along on that? Uh, mission or task of yours. And number five, how can I help you? Yeah, you're going to need those to get into heaven. So I would like write them down. People are going to, you know, they think it's like, tell me the Ten Commandments. No, no, just tell me the five discipleship questions. Um, those are supernaturalizing questions. And I've been doing this for years and years. And um, those are, it's the most helpful way, I know, to encourage the sort of supernaturalism that we're talking about in a, in a church congregation, in a community. So we'll talk more about those uh, in a later uh, sermon in this series. All of that to ask you, uh, would you like to live according to your supernature? Yeah, Why? It's God's design, so it must be good. Life is more interesting. It's a good answer. And it's freeing. Yeah, it it unencumbers you from your your flesh limits, right? I mean, is it better to live with limits or or to live with no limits and 
kind of open creativity and stuff like that. Um, sure. And then how do you do it? Well, spirit-led is number one. I'd like to read a passage that's all about Jesus supernaturalizing his disciples. We read a version of it earlier in the series. Um, this is about Jesus sending his disciples out without him uh, for the first time. So if you want to turn with me to Mark, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 5 through 20. We read the Mark version of it a little bit earlier in the series. This is a little more detailed. Um, the opening of this chapter lists the, the 12 disciples that Jesus would make apostles, meaning sent ones. So these were the 12 guys that he would work with most intensely in terms of uh, passing on uh, kingdom ministry. And uh, it goes like this. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So Jesus is going to send them out into the world, presumably send us out into the world, and these are the instructions he gives them. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Uh, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. So that's the message that Jesus gave to his guys, right? Not like, go out and tell people how to, you know, uh, get into heaven, which is, of course, related. But he said, no, t tell them that the order of heaven is now here, which is in some ways a, a more provocative, immediate thing to say, because then you have to show it if it's here, right? And so very, uh, there's a lot of swagger in this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Just some of, uh, remember the verse from John, the Holy Spirit will take things from Jesus and give them to us. And these are some of the things they had seen Jesus do, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. So, you know, Jesus is saying, you guys do that. Freely you receive from the Spirit, so freely give to other people. Jesus is always saying that's how it should work. If you get anything from God, give it away, and then you will grow in it. Do not take any gold or silver or copper in your belts, which is to say no money, and take no bag for the journey, no luggage or extra tunic, no extra clothes or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. In other words, you'll get what you need as you go, as you do your work. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. In other words, show up someplace and change the atmosphere. At the very worst, you know, you can take your atmosphere and go away. <laughs> um, Change the atmosphere. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to you, your words shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. Like get out of town and slam the door behind you. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. In other words, how you get treated counts. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Uh, do the right things, 
um, but don't be an idiot. Be clever. Uh, be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. This job description is sounding worse and worse. <laughs> but when they arrest you, not if, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. That's why I never prepare a sermon. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Um, all right. How many supernatural things does he command them to do? Command them to do. How many? What are some of them? Heal the sick. That's one. They get commanded to raise the dead. Would you apply for that job? It's an interesting job. Yeah. Come on. Drive out demons, which means there are demons, which means you have to be aware of demons, which is a whole paradigm shift. What else? Don't worry. That's unnatural. Right? Otherworldly. What else? Do not be afraid of the evils of the world. And think of all the evils of the world that they had to contend with on this, on this mission. And social awkwardness. Show up someplace where, you, where uh, you don't know anybody and, get a, and ask somebody to put you up uh, because you're going to do miracles. Oh, well, you better pull them off. And if they mistreat you, feel really bad. No, if they mistreat you... Uh, then show social strength and slam the door on them. You know, which is, which is a sort of strength, right? I mean, you, you think you're judging me. Actually, you've just judged yourself. You know, I came to bless you. You rejected it. I mean, that's a lot of confidence, and that's unnatural. Uh, when you get taken before, you know, courtrooms to get whipped, don't freak. It'll be cool. Just keep listening to God in that moment, which would take a lot of chill. Uh, to pull that off. Yeah, great. What else? Got another one? No money? Somebody said no money. Yeah, so that's unnatural. That's unnatural. Uh, no, no money and be generous, which makes no sense. Freely you receive, freely give. You're going to go out, you're going to get stuff because you're going to do the work well. Uh, and then you're going to have lots to give away. You're going to get lodging and food and stuff like that. So everybody quit your jobs. Don't do that. Um, unless the spirit leads. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a ton of unnatural things. Uh, this is Jesus supernaturalizing his disciples. This is Jesus. Everybody talks about how he sent people out to carry on the mission. We have to notice how he sent them out and what he told them to do. The methodology that he gave them was entirely unnatural was entirely supernatural. And it begins with the message that they preached, which was, I can make heaven happen right here. Right? God has given us that in this world. It's just unnatural. And so if we're looking about, if we're, if we're thinking about the kingdom of heaven on earth, I, I think this is a fair characterization of how it should be for us. 
we should be supernaturalized. At the end of this journey, they come back having been successful and say in the Luke version, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You know, we did all of these miracles. And Jesus says, thank you, Father, for revealing the kingdom to children like these. A bunch of people who have no clue, but you gave them the order of heaven anyway. That's how it's supposed to work. And that is disruptive. Right? If, if you do it this way, it's the most disruptive way to walk through the, through the world. You know, it's not nice. Nice is just a small pitiful word. This is disruptive. You get it? You see the difference? And Jesus made no bones about it. <laughs> right? He, he, he directly orders them to do this and indeed risk their lives on it since they would have starved if they didn't uh, pull it off. They moved in, in supernatural power and they became, uh, here's a technical term, they became freaking beasts. Right? They became de-domesticated. Right? If the world had tamed them previously, they became wild by doing this. Go out there and be a bull in the china shop. Right? Go out there and, and be disruptive be a beast, be a monster. You're the scary one. Don't be scared of all the others. You're the scary one. And Jesus was scary, right? So he's modeling this for them. Jesus was the one that freaked people out a little bit. And he was telling his guys to go do it the same way. Everybody say, be a beast. Be a beast. You got to say it to the person next to you. Come on. Be a beast. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so, I mean, turn around, show, show them the flex, cat. You could do better than that. Okay, so here's the application point. We'll just, we'll just end now. We sort of meandered around talking to the points. But what I want to do is preach at you a bit. You know, like, we understand this stuff, but what I'm trying to do is between now and the all-church retreat is to really get people to catch it, right, to sort of embody this, the style, the sense, the feeling, and indeed the spirit of the kingdom of, of heaven on earth. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to preach at you instead of just like teaching you concepts, uh, because I think that a lot of you have no idea what you're capable of. I think you've committed yourself to be nice, which is a terrible life calling. Right? You need to commit yourself to be disruptive. Right? There's a place for being nice and polite, my wife tells me. Um, <laughs> right? and, and, and you are you know, some of the nice, nicest people everywhere. And we live in, in, in uh, an island culture that is just beautifully nice. Right? This is the nicest place to live. Um, but, but it's so limiting. Right? It's not enough. What you want to be is a challenge. A challenge to the world. You know, such that people get mad at you. They want to drag you places and whip you. Right? You'll be in trouble and you'll need to listen to the Spirit to get out of it. Right? You, know, you don't need to be dragged into court necessarily. Uh, but you shouldn't fear being dragged into court. Right? You don't need to lose your job necessarily. But some of you should. You know, right? Um, 
right? I mean, statistically speaking, some of us should, <laughs> right? Um, if, if we're being dis disruptors. And where it comes down to for me is like, if you're not willing to be that, then you just sold yourself so short and you don't realize who you are and what you are in the world. And I hate that. That drives me nuts as a Christian leader when people just, they, they, I, they, they just limit themselves, you know, and with some hard work and some real courage and some otherworldly behavior, some outright definitive otherworldly behavior, you can be salt. You can be light. And it always works. It always works. The problem is not that it doesn't work. The problem is that we don't try. Right? And, and these are the descriptions of the kingdom. And, and why this, challenge, this, this passage has been so challenging to me over the years is that Jesus really gave his guys no choice. And, I, and, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm always thinking to myself, but is this really how I'm supposed to live? Really? You know? And then I've tried to live up to it in different ways ever since I first seriously started wrestling with this passage and others like it. So you have no idea what you're capable of, and I'm not just talking about miracle working, I'm talking about just unsettling yourself, unsticking yourself from the world. Uh, and to unstick yourself from the world, you'll have to be a little bit savage, a little bit beastly. Um, you probably live pretty naturally. You probably live pretty tamely. I think you want to be an influence on people, and I think mostly you probably try to do it by being super nice, right? Yeah. Super nice. Um, but that's not the model. Be super nice, especially to me, but that's not the, that's not the, that's not the model, right? It's like, it's, it's not enough. The model is disrupt the world order. That's the model. That's the model. Uh, however you do it. Um, all sorts of different uh, ideas. Be neither tame nor natural. Be neither domesticated nor materialistic. Be spiritual, but also be... Um, you know, daring and, and unruly. And be spirit-led. I'm not trying to make wild people that just get off on doing extreme things and can't even take care of themselves. You know, um, I'm, be spirit-led. Trust me, if you follow the Holy Spirit, you'll get into enough trouble. Right? So it starts with a conversation, but it always ends with truly disruptive behavior. Truly disruptive behavior. Right? Um, no matter your situation, you are seeing something that no one else in the room is seeing because you have supernatural eyes and you're acting on it. Uh, you're taking responsibility to make something happen in whatever room you're in. You walk into a room and you're like, I'm the scary person here. I'm the beast. I'm the one who's supposed to make something happen. Right? And then... God's given you a bunch of different sorts of gifts. We'll talk about that later in the sermon series. So use one <laughs> and make something happen. Everybody turn to the person next to you and say, make something happen. Make something happen. Say it this way, make something happen. Make something happen. Uh, eventually, you'll have to manifest something supernatural in order to challenge natural. That's how it works. You'll have to challenge natural. Um, even if it's just to relay something that God told you. You know, like I have lots of conversations with non-Christians uh, 
I, I do this a ton. Uh, I was in the Dominican Republic recently. It's not a day that went by that I didn't tell someone, this is what I think God is telling me about you. It's always an interesting conversation. Always. Um, and it, and it, it's a supernatural conversation uh, from, from the get-go. And I, I never once said that to a Christian. Uh, it was always uh, to someone who, who was not. Um, Jesus always tried to make people see themselves as supernatural. You will notice in his teachings. So I'm just trying to get you to see yourself as supernatural. There's you in your natural state. There's you in your supernatural state. What's the difference? All right, is that on the board? There it is. There's you in your natural state, and then there's you in your supernatural state. What's the difference? And I'm not going to define it for you perfectly today, but I'm just saying that's what I want you thinking about. All right? Here I am. I'm at work today. I'm getting my coffee. I'm checking my emails. All right. Who am I right now in my supernatural state? Just to kind of get that habit forming in your mind. All right. And then the last thing uh, I'll say is if all else fails, ask somebody a discipleship question and you will be disruptive. Right? If all else fails, you turn to your coworker or to your classmate or to your neighbor or whoever it happens to be and say, what do you think God's saying to you lately? You know, and they might say, I don't believe in God. <laughs> uh, and in which case, you know, you follow up with. Here's a sense I get from God about you. <laughs> and you know what that is? Is it effective? Is it fruitful? Well, there's a chance. But what it is is disruptive. Right? You've just changed that person's day, and that's your job. That's your job. And if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You know, you're just like everything else in the world, temporary and mortal. All right, so I don't know if that was effective preaching. I'm not sure I fed that really, said that really, really well. Um, I was just trying to say what the Spirit led me to say. Um, um, but it is incumbent upon us uh, to bring the kingdom to the earth and the earth just really, really needs it. I mean, there's such chaos and, and death and drifting and, um, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to lose hope. Um, and then I remember, ah, but we are the light of the world. We are responsible. It's us for bringing the kingdom to the earth. And then I look around and then I really feel hopeless. No, 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 then, then, uh, just, just, snarkiness is a gift. Um, right, no, what I think is, oh, we could totally do it. And it wouldn't be that hard, it would just be unusual. That's all, that's all it takes, right? It's just a willingness to be uh, unusual. So, uh, let's pray, and let's do an exercise where you just try to be spirit-led, because the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth and will give you from Jesus that which you need to minister the kingdom of God on earth. It is a promise from the Lord himself, pretty much a guarantee for you today. Let's listen. Holy Spirit, we are your light. We are your workers. 
What are we to do? What are we to say? Where are we to go? All right, can I have the uh, rest of the prayer ministry team come forward, please, and come forward and get prayer if you need a little prophetic direction in your life or you need some supernatural power, these people would be happy to pray for you and just invite the Holy Spirit to fill your mind and body and to give you a little supernatural juice. Um, and then it just makes it easier for miracles to happen and we get lots of really great stories. Could you stand for dismissal, please? Father God, I pray that you would perfect your agenda for every person in the room. And I'm just asking humbly, Lord, uh, that you would lead us all into better expressions of salt and light so that we would make a difference wherever we are. If you have faith for that, say amen. Amen. If you said amen, then I would like to give you a piece of homework. And the homework is make a difference in some situation this week in a way, no, make a disruption, that sort of difference, a disruptive difference in a situation this week in a way that is not simply being really nice. That's your homework assignment. And then I want to hear stories next week when you come back to church. Even if you don't have the story, come back to church. But, <laughs> but I expect a lot of you to have really cool stories to share uh, because uh, testimonies are the currency of faith and that's how we spread faith in the body. Amen? Amen? All right, come get prayer if you need it. If not, I'll see you next week at 9 a.m.